I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome everybody into the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show on this Tuesday. Thanks so much for Rolling with us for joining in. We've got so much to discuss. Kamala Harris with, I don't know if it is the most Kamala Harris moment we've seen yet, but it is definitely a memorable one about the passage of time. Uh, remember, this is somebody who was supposed to fix the border, maybe fix Ukraine. Hasn't really fixed very much at all. The, the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings are underway right now. Senators questioning the Supreme Court nominee up on Capitol Hill. Clay and I'll give you our sense of how that's going, where that's going, any big takeaways from it. We'll be joined uh, about the second hour of the program today, bottom of the hour, by our friend Shannon Bream, chief legal analyst at uh, chief legal correspondent over at Fox News. And we will also talk a bit more about the situation in Ukraine. Right now, there are two battlefield narratives uh, or two battlefield assessments that seem to be in conflict. One is that Russia has stalled out and there could even be the usage of chemical and biological weapons by the Russians. Biden has brought this up. I mean, so this is not fringe conversation because Russia has stalled out. On the other side, it's people pointing out that the Ukrainians should sue for peace and negotiate as soon and as earnestly as possible because a breakout for them against the Russian invasion is effectively militarily impossible, absent major military intervention from the outside, meaning us and NATO, which doesn't seem like that's going to happen, hopefully. So got a lot of that to talk to you about. But we had mentioned in passing um, in the last few days, I think, this Yale Law School free speech event that has started to get more and more attention as people, I think, realize the full extent of of what occurred here and and it's indicative of a much bigger trend something that should concern and worry all of you across the country because of what it means for who wields power not just in the apparatus as a general sense but the legal apparatus of this country so this is a, a piece up on the daily mail law schools are in crisis the truth doesn't matter much 
The game is to sing, uh, signal one's virtue. Yale Law School professor who tackled woke mob at free speech event says the future of the rule of law in the U.S. is in crisis. Let me say, she's telling you the truth. The law schools have gone ultra woke. They are churning out activists and they don't change their minds when they graduate from law school. They become prosecutors. They become partners at big, powerful firms. They become the people that make the determinations within the legal apparatus. Clay, you went to law school. You understand the progression of this over time. It is remarkable to talk to attorneys today who will say it's not that the left wing law school and now post law school, you know, in associates at firms all the way up to now more senior lawyers and and prosecutors. It's not that they disagree just on political issues. They get outraged by the notion that everyone's entitled to a defense, that you have the right to remain silent no matter how bad of a right-wing person you may be. Maybe you were part of the insurrection. This is madness. Yeah, it is. And for people who haven't seen the viral videos of the Yale Law School free speech event being shouted down by Yale Law uh, students, it's terrifying uh, because it's one thing when and, and I don't want to say uneducated, but youthful and dumb 18 and 19 year old kids, college kids, which a lot of us have been at some point in time, get fired up and decide that they're going to speak out against someone who is on campus. I don't uh, agree with that in any way, but by the time you get to law school, by the time you are 22 or older, and certainly as you are studying the law, which I was fortunate enough to be able to do at Vanderbilt Law School, it's shocking to me to even think from the time when I was in law school in the early 2000s, I graduated from law school in 2004, that at any point while I was on Vanderbilt's campus, there could have ever been a speaker who was shouted down, no matter what that speaker was discussing, is is unfathomable to me that it could have ever occurred. And when I read and see what is going on in law school communities now, and also inside of big law firms, Buck, this is a big deal that I don't think is discussed enough. There are companies that are so woke now, Buck, that they are saying not give me the best lawyers to represent uh, this company for purposes of legal representation. But they're saying, give me a set quota of minority lawyers to work on my uh, legal issues. Something I've never heard of before. The idea that you wouldn't pick the best lawyers inside of the best firm, but that you would say the people who work on this have to be cosmetically diverse. It's crazy. And the idea that we have allowed this belief, and I mean faculty too, there are so many faculty, Buck. There was a big story recently about the N-word. Do uh, you remember this story? Inside of, I think it was Yale Law School as well, that a professor had read uh, the N-word in a uh, court case and it had turned into a massive issue that you would even utter. It's inside of a proceeding, right? The factual uh, analysis right. of a case. So their expectation is to change the the court record of what was said because right. it offends. Don't, this don't is, read. 
Yeah. The examples that we give of, okay, and by the way, this is why I say this notion of banning a word for some people in all usage is wrong. We all abide by this, unfortunately, because in society you get destroyed, but it's wrong, meaning that there are words you should not use to refer to people, but there's always a context in which a word being said could be justifiable, for example, reading back in testimony in a court what a person said. The court stenographer is not a bad person for reading back what was said, but this is about ultimate control, control of your mind, and uh, control of your actions, obviously, as well. And the reason I think the Yale Law School thing is so interesting, I mean, Clay well knows this because he went to a very esteemed law school, by the way. He's one, yeah. Um, but Yale Law School is the number one law school in the country. Yes. I mean, if you get into Yale Law School, uh, our buddy uh, geopolitical strategist Elbridge Colby was a friend of mine from the D.C. days. He's a Yale Law guy. He's super smart. You go to Yale Law, everyone's supposed to essentially genuflect at your legal altar. These places are churning out woke maniacs and i just i want people to understand across the country the woke maniacs don't change they go from they they take their little yale law school golden ticket to the top of the legal profession they clerk for federal judges they become federal judges they become prosecutors they become the top partners at law firms that i mean just to remind everybody donald trump the sitting president of the united states had a tough time getting legal counsel for the fake Russia collusion bullcrap that they pulled against him because people didn't want to be ostracized. They didn't want to, yeah. they didn't want to be untouchable with the legal profession. Clay, I knew of other people working in that White House who didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of, and it was tough for them to get the lawyers that they wanted because nobody wanted to be associated with, think about this, a lawyer who doesn't want to be associated with giving the proper defense to White House employees of a sitting president. This is what the woke legal madness has done. And props to Barry Weiss for dealing with this in her sub stack and having people write about it and do it so well. No doubt. And and I'm old school in the sense that I think the ACLU should defend all speech, right? Not just speech that they find to be acceptable in any given day. To me, John Adams, when he was defending the British Redcoats, uh, who had fired at the Boston Massacre upon the colonists, is what a lawyer should aspire to. The best possible defense. Buck, I've said this before on the show, but I've defended murderers. I've defended people accused of domestic uh, violence. I've defended drug dealers in my young days uh, as a lawyer. Uh, that's not because I agree with what they have been accused of, but because, to me, a lawyer has a zealous duty to defend to their utmost ability, even even people and even in situations where you would personally not be on the same side morally as the people you're defending. And so this idea that has taken root in in law schools of uh, the, the basically the woke universe taking over the legal profession. But look at the ACLU. It's, it's, it's a great example of an organization that in the 1970s was willing to defend neo-Nazis who were marching in Skokie, Illinois. There are a lot of Holocaust survivors there, not because certainly they respected the opinions of the Nazis in any way, but because they valued our First Amendment and our legal system more than they did the heinous beliefs that were being defended that day. That's what lawyers should do. Stand up for principle over politics, and instead politics is overwhelming principle now. We are watching right now. We are witnessing. And of course, it's, this is the in the background of 
We have this uh, Supreme Court nomination hearing underway right now, and the senators are asking their questions. You and I both believe, Clay, and there's been polling to suggest most of the GOP doesn't even really care because they figure it's either going to be Katanji Brown Jackson or another left-wing activist. So what difference does it really make? She'll get through. And so this is why we're not spending... We'll spend some time on the conversation today. But in the background of this, we are witnessing in this country, and if you speak to... I mean, Clay, you you know about this. You, you, you've seen this. Friends of yours who are lawyers. I have, uh, I have friends and family who are lawyers as well. The transformation in the last 20 years where the left has gone from seeing... Uh, what is a system of justice through our law to a system of power and the wielding of power. This is why they're abandoning core principles like the right to a defense for everybody. This just played out in the previous administration under Donald Trump. Do you think it also might have played out, folks? I ask you this question for anyone who says, oh, this sounds like law school insidery stuff. How many judges wouldn't take any of the election challenge, wouldn't even look at the election challenges that Trump and his lawyers are bringing? Threw them out right away, wouldn't even bring them into court. Now, maybe some were legit, maybe some weren't. Do you think it might make some impact on this when you have people coming out of law schools, particularly elite law schools, who are effectively insane leftists who believe that their goal is not a justice system in this country, but righting the wrongs in a Marxist sense of the past by having a disparate system of justice today. I mean, I, I think that that really does matter. And here's a quote that, that I think uh, nails this home clay in the Daily Home uh, Daily Mail piece. Partners are being blindsided by associates who think they are liberals in their own image, but they're not, according to a uh, lawyer in Washington, D.C., the associates want to burn the place down. <laughs> yep. That's what I'm hearing from people all across the country. And for any of you who have ever had to go to court, for any of you who face the justice system, for any of you who think that your vote is supposed to count, even though there are all these activist organizations, the corruption of the legal system by the left wholesale and the usage of uh, law schools as indoctrination centers to do it is a major problem. This is like the deep state, but it's the deep legal state. I'll give you an example, Buck. My wife is in law school right now. I was in law school 20 years ago. She experienced what law school was like 20 years ago, compares it to now. Uh, it's, a, it's a time warp. It's crazy how different the overall vibe is. Uh, and not just because, by the way, I do think this factors in because it dehumanizes much. The last two years, lawyers have had to wear, law school students have had to wear masks. Think about how crazy that is, Buck. If you are a 2L right now, that's what they call first year 1L, 2L, 3L. takes three years to graduate. If you're a 2L right now, you're coming up on the end of your second year of law school. Your entire law school training, you have been forced to wear a mask everywhere in class. Uh, you've been uh, restricted in how much you can travel. And I think that's only going to accelerate the insanity because it dehumanizes so much and makes everything uh, it, it, it is just going to. I, this is an underrated story. I was my jaw dropped when I saw that protest at Yale Law School. Smartest lawyers in the country, but they they study law at Yale. One reason people love to go there, they don't give grades. That's how cocky they are. Well, this is why they've also changed the admission standards dramatically, by the way, so that it's really hard for some people to get in and a lot easier for other people to get in. And they don't want those disparities to be apparent over the three years of law school as they are in other places. But even on back 50 years ago, they did the pass fail system, which is why I was like, man, I'd love to go to Yale. Right, uh, but they can you, they can hide. They can get away with, you know, because there's not the same. Oh, yeah. Right. Ranking. No, so, yes. so they can change their admission standards such that it doesn't doesn't affect 
uh, the perception You're of the a student body the same or way. a made woman, no matter what, if you get in there. I think Stanford also does pass fail, uh, which uh, which is pretty incredible. But that's uh, that's unheard of to be that exclusive, where you don't even have to rank any of your students. You're all supposed to be that elite. Nearly a third of us suffer from chronic pain because of aging or exercise or overexertion. This means that at this moment, hundreds of thousands of you in this audience are experiencing pain. We have a solution for you, and it's likely a name you've heard us make mention of for good reason. It works. Created by doctors and perfected over 15 years of scientific research, Relief Factor was made for these circumstances. With four key ingredients, Relief Factor is a 100% drug-free product, which addresses joint pain, knee, hip, back, neck, and shoulder pain. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and nearly 70% of them go on to order more. If you're currently in pain and have a 7 in 10 chance to eliminate it, those are pretty good odds. Join the more than half a million people today. Order the three-week quick start for only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to get the 1995 three-week quick start. relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. You know what? I just got to play this clip, Buck. Uh, speaking of elite law school graduates, 
Kamala Harris just continues, Buck, to put together the most awkward, uncomfortable, unbelievable segments. It's Veep on steroids. Here is Kamala Harris talking about the passage of time, guys. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. The passage of time, Clay, is when the time is passing through a passage of time. I, I looked this up and then I'm no joke. I was I was sharing this clip with uh, with my wife last night. I was like, you got to watch this. And we got into a discussion. We're like, what law school did Kamala Harris go to? Because when you hear all of these incredibly awful gaffes from Kamala Harris, she sounds like a kid that has got a paper that they have to have enough words in anybody out there listening, you know, you had to hit the 1500 word limit or whatever. And you basically reword the same paragraph three or four different times. She sounds like that when she's talking at all these public events. And she also has this sort of hectoring tone as if she's saying something incredibly profound the way she's delivering it. She went to the she University to Hastings. Of, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up last night. I didn't know. Did you know that uh, without looking it up? I, I know. I just checked. That's what I was trying to throw that in yeah. to help out. Yeah, because that was the question we had. We said, how elite of a law school? Did I? I knew she was a lawyer. But UC Hastings, we probably got UC Hastings people that are like, don't hang this on us. I mean, Look, it's an okay some people, school. Some people, you know, they're they're working a job while they're in law school. They get some money to go to that school. I mean, yeah, I went to right. a scholarship high school. So there were kids who went to Holy Cross who could have gotten into Ivy's, but they got full rides, right? So, yep. you know, it's always, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. I took a scholarship to go to GW. Uh, it happens. But you know what? She might have also wanted to stay with her boyfriend there in San Francisco, Willie Brown. I think that might have factored in as well, Buck. Maybe that's why she went to Hastings. Pure Talk provides best-in-class cell phone service for much less money every month than the cell phone service providers you've been used to getting service from. When you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile to Pure Talk, you're immediately saving money without compromising any quality. You're able to keep your cell phone and your cell phone number. Plus, you can get hooked up with the exact same cell phone towers, and the service is similar. But in the meantime, you'll save 50 or 60 bucks a month potentially 800 bucks a year switch from verizon at&t and t-mobile and only pay for the service you need like unlimited talk text six gigs of data for just 30 dollars a month from your cell phone here's how you do it dial pound 250 say pure talk you'll save an additional 50 percent off your first month that is pound 250 say pure talk pure talk simply smarter wireless a new world order Joe Biden says the phrase that gets people's attention. Welcome back to Clay and Buck show. We've got a lot of challenges here at home. You could even say, and I think you should, failures under the Biden regime up to this point. The border, inflation, the economy, crime in cities. Uh Find me a major policy area where there's been decision-making, energy, energy, fossil fuel uh, regulations and uh, market intrusions by Biden and his team. All this stuff that you've seen has been bad. 
But they really like to focus now on global leadership. They're trying to reestablish, I think, Joe Biden as the steady hand on the world stage that we were promised that we've never actually seen. This is the remarkable thing. Joe Biden has spent longer than I've been alive, I think, in public office. And never once have you said, wow, he really led on that issue. You know, that that important treaty got signed because of senator or vice president or now President Joe. But he's saying there's going to be a new world order now, and I want to talk about what that will look like. We are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy, not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of as the uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And uh, since then, we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people died, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. I think Clay, he's right in that there's a shift underway. I think, unfortunately, his administration is playing a role in it in a in a bad way. Um, away from a sense of American leadership and America as the best, last, freest uh, hope of mankind, and toward China, Russia, non-aligned states that are finding ways to exploit uh, weaknesses, notably recently the fact that we are more reliant than we should be on uh, foreign energy sources, but on a whole range of, of ways and factors, it feels like a Biden-led new world order is one in which Putin and Xi and others are getting a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, and one of the big challenges that we've got is when we grew up, Buck, there was a universal enemy in some way. Beating the Russians was something that was in the back of your mind, if you were growing up in the 70s, the 80s, the 60s, any of those eras, you really had the sense of America as a force for good in the world. We talked about start the show off, the protest that's going on at Yale, at law school. What unites all of these woke ideologies, Buck, and I don't think we spend enough time talking about this, is the idea that America is evil and was founded on evil grounds and that as a result our progress does not matter because at inception we were founded upon a great evil which is slavery and so if there is no moral authority in america then you tear down and denigrate the institutions of america and what many of these woke imbeciles are not sophisticated enough to understand is you have to compare American ideology with ideologies around the world right now. China is doing and committing genocide on its own people right now. And that's why, to me, the window of the world showing up in Beijing, Buck, we bent the knee to China after they lied about covid after they created COVID in a lab, in my opinion, based on all of the evidence, and the whole world, every democratic country, us, Canada, England, Australia, 
all these places that are supposed to be standing for the betterment of human rights around the world all showed up and bent the knee at Beijing for the Winter Olympics and said virtually zero, nobody did, about China's obligations and responsibilities in the world. Do you think that some of the emotional validation that it seems many in the West, notably here in this country, seek with their fervent support of the Ukrainian cause and the righteousness of it and the flag pins and the Zelensky is, you know, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington and Pericles wrapped into one, whatever. Do you think some of that is in reaction to, for those who at least pay attention to these things, the underlying recognition that China is engaged in human rights crimes and atrocities on a regular basis. China's undermining the United States. China's a totalitarian state. And we were basically all clapping during the Olympics while the Chinese Communist Party was saying, yeah, you guys will bend the knee. You know what I mean? Do you think that it's it's almost like a compensation? We're so anti-Putin in some cases, in some places here, because we've already sort of said, well, I mean, she, come on, I really like those cheap products I get from China and I don't want to cause any problems. Well, I think that's a good point, and and that raises the question of the precedent that's being set with Russia. I mean, I asked this question, Buck, on the show after the State of the Union with Joe Biden when we saw all the politicians with Ukrainian lapel flags that they were wearing at the State of the Union. How many people would wear Taiwan lapel flags if China invaded Taiwan? Would we isolate China's global economy businesses like we have been able to do with russia i severely doubt it i mean buck you and i are both fans of top gun the movie you know they took the taiwan flag off of maverick's jacket in top gun 2 to avoid offending the chinese they changed in the the remake of red dawn they changed the country that invades america from china to north korea because they wanted to avoid offending china there are no asian bad guys there are no asian villains in any hollywood films now because china has got all of hollywood by the throat and that's a metaphor of the larger control that china exerts upon american business everywhere well this is also why would people get all mobilized as uh and very preachy on countries that they're outraged about you know their human human rights abuses look it's it's if you're right, you're right, but you also need to be consistent or need to be aware of inconsistencies. And the fact of the matter is we are, because the elites in this country make so much money from and from China and need, in their minds, access to the Chinese market, we have very different, we have a relativism, if you will, of human rights standards. Uh, never mind, we talk about Saudi Arabia, we could talk about a lot of places with whom we do business but there are the there are the good guys and the bad guys in our minds. And, you know, I think that the discussion around Ukraine and around Russia has fallen into this a, a, a simplistic narrative that is not particularly helpful to the moment, which is first and foremost about how we get the, the bullets and the bombs to to stop. Right. I mean, how do we get people to be safe? And then we can figure out what the new world order, as Biden says, may be. But I don't think it's helpful to us to think that there's a a simple uh, a simple storyline here. And if only we all rallied to one side or, or the other um, in just our words and and the way that we sort of promote individual brands on social. And I don't mean us. I mean everybody. Right? Everyone's like, oh, I, I stand. I stand with Ukraine. Okay, but what does that mean? 
Yeah. And how do we bring this whole thing to a conclusion? And and I think there's also been a I do believe there's been a transfer of the mass mobilization mentality from I listen to Fauci, I obey, you know, I obey the elites, I do whatever I'm told with COVID to anything Ukraine needs, we should do Ukraine, Ukraine. This is the most important thing. There are a lot of people, and that's why I found that study or the poll out of Canada so interesting where there's a direct correlation. I mean, the, basically, the more shots you get, the more involved you want as a Canadian, the military to be there. I am certain if there was a poll like it in America, it would be the same result. The The crazy thing, Buck, is emotion governs everything. Most people don't take the time. And, and, and the wild thing is, remember initially when social media kind of took off, Buck, the idea was, wow, this is going to be the full flourishment of the First Amendment. How quickly does social media demand consensus? And if you step outside of the lines of consensus, I'm not sure there's ever been any American media entities that have enforced consensus more than social media companies. There was a guy, I think the book is called The Net Delusion. I read it many, many years ago. And his point was that this notion, uh, and again, I'm going back now, I think 15 years, so I might be, but uh, I think The Net Delusion was the name of the book. And the notion was that we believe that the internet is going to create this free flow of information that liberates all mankind in terms of speech and the dissemination of knowledge. And there is some truth to that. There's also truth to we have entered the panopticon, which is the uh, it's a a prison where you're being watched at all times. I mean, we are we have seen and China is obviously pioneering this the no usage of the technology that was supposed to free us all and allow us to communicate instantaneously and does at some levels being turned now increasingly into tools of suppression, tools of control, of constant surveillance and of and let's be honest of power, as we're seeing from the social media companies in this country who are who are telling us, you know, bend the knee, say a man is a woman peasant or else or else. I'm going to build on that next because we got more suspensions on Twitter over that exact situation. Oh, my. The most unexpected repair bills often happen when you're visiting your car mechanic. Something you don't know or realize has happened to your vehicle. And the next thing you know, you're paying a fifteen hundred dollar bill for something you can't even make sense of. It happens with cars, particularly the newer ones that have all those electronics. So having a protection plan that covers those expenses is a no brainer. That's why we want you to have Car Shield. They make it easy and affordable to protect your car from expensive repairs, and that's just for starters. CarShield offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month. That covers more parts than ever before. Whether your car is this year's model, still has that new smell, or it's aging 150,000 miles on it, you know, old, old trusty one, doesn't matter. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic, and CarShield's administrators handle the rest. No paperwork on your part. Plans through CarShield also include roadside assistance if you need it, along with rental car options and trip reimbursements. Those are all included at no extra cost. Get coverage today. Lock in your price now, and it will never go up as long as you own your car. CarShield has helped millions of drivers. That's why they're America's number one car protection company. Go to carshield.com slash clay and buck or call 800-391-8888 to save 10% on your plan and lock in your pricing forever that's carshield.com slash Clay and Buck, B-U-C-K, Clay and Buck, or call 800-391-8888 to save 10%. A deductible may apply. 
Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Yesterday, we uh, had a conversation, was really uh, good, with Seth Dillon, who is the uh, proprietor of the Daily Wire, runs that really satirical, fantastic website. And there continue to be more bannings coming from Twitter over what is and what is not allowed to be said. Kyle Mann is the editor-in-chief of the Babylon Bee, and he tweeted, I don't know if you've seen this yet, Buck, he tweeted, maybe they'll let us back into our at the Babylon Bee Twitter account if we throw a few thousand Uyghurs in a concentration camp. That, of course, is satire aimed at the fact that China and all Chinese government accounts are allowed to post on Twitter. And for that, for that comment, the editor-in-chief of the Babylon Bee had his Twitter account locked as well. (laughs) So let me repeat. China can have all of these different accounts uh, advocating for Chinese communist government rule and spreading propaganda. But the editor-in-chief of the Babylon Bee, they already locked the Babylon Bee for 
making a joke about Rachel Levine, who is the HHS undersecretary or whatever the heck she is, uh, that uh, made naming her man of the year after, uh, what was it, uh, USA Today named her woman of the year? Yes. Well, one of the, uh, I one think of it was the that sort of, of headlining of woman of the year. Yes. Yes. Uh, but so you make fun uh, and say, hey, if we had a few thousand Uyghurs in a concentration camp. So China not banned for actually having Uyghurs in concentration camps. A joke uh, leads to a banning. So that is where we are on social media. And it ties into the, the point you were making as we went to break, Buck, which was this net delusion uh, argument, which is relatively, uh, relatively, I think, prescient now, where arguably we are becoming less free in the internet age than we ever were in a pre-internet age. I, I was right, by the way. It's the net delusion. And by the way, it was, uh, I think it was in 2012 it came out. Actually. Okay. So I said 15 years ago I was off by a few. But uh, the net delusion, the dark side of internet freedom by Evgeny Morozov. And, yeah, uh, he's he's talking about the other side of, of these technologies and what they do to society. So it was interesting. It's been a long time. I don't remember it all that well, but um, he says, for all the talk about the democratizing power of the Internet, regimes in Iran and China are as stable and repressive as ever. In fact, authoritarian governments are effectively using the Internet to suppress free speech, hone their surveillance techniques, disseminate cutting edge propaganda and pacify their populations with digital entertainment. I think this all, remember, this guy wrote this over 10 years ago. I think this all hits close to home, friends, as we all sit here while Twitter is shutting down a sitting president when he was in office still, and we're all just watching our Netflix binges and everything else. Yeah, free speech, not so free these days, Clay. Well, and people are getting shut down left and right over this Leah Thomas Penn transgender swimmer story, and I don't know... If your standard, what we talked about this yesterday, that they consider it basically to be dead naming. If you say, hey, you know, Will Thomas, which is what the person's name yeah, was. They say it is birth. dead naming. That is. And that will get you, by the way, that will get you kicked off of Twitter if they see it. Isn't that insane? Yes, <laughs> it is. I mean, but especially when you have to, in order to tell the full context of a story, that you have to be able to talk they about may, the fact that this you know, I'm sure they say, swimmer. oh, it's only if it's done in a pejorative fashion, right? So if you call Leah Thomas, Will Thomas, that they'll make some determination. I would guess that's probably because otherwise you're right. I mean, what do you what do you how do, do you explain this story without you know? saying, first of all, this was a male swimmer? And, you know, by the way, Buck, I'm not an expert in rap. My kids listen to modern day rap. I actually was dying laughing last night. Boozy, and I guarantee I am you, unfamiliar I, with Mr. Boozy. Yeah, I, I, I imagine that a large majority of our audience is unfamiliar with the work of Boozy, a rapper. But he went off on the idea of this pin transgender swimmer being allowed to compete. And I mean, I, I was laughing as he went along. He was saying, you know, like he got asked, you know, hey, what if Kevin Durant decided to put on a wig and become a WNBA player? And I mean, it is. I mean, that was Juana right. Man. You know, Dave back Chappelle. In the day. Dave Chappelle did a stand up where he said LeBron James plays in the NBA. He'll score. I think he said eight hundred and fifty points a game. Oh, in the WNBA. And the yeah, WNBA. Yeah, 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 yeah. So same, same idea. But remember, you're crazy if you see what is obvious and true. This is what they want you to believe because then it's so much easier to control you. Also true about COVID. Fauci, he's back. Clay, did you miss him just a little bit? Did you miss the Fauci? I did not. 
I did not miss the Fouch. We have good news coming out of New York City, which is rare, but Fouch continues to be awful. We'll talk about it coming up next. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 